everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Mark of Athena by Rick Riordan. Copyright. How are you doing today, Jane? Oh, I'm 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 doing pretty good. I've I've taken on board some feedback that you give me from previous recording sessions. Okay. Uh, you you were complaining that I was uh, playing with Gumpla or Lego while we were recording, and it was making a lot of clicks that were very annoying. Yes. Uh, so I've decided I've I've put those away from my desk. I've just gotten a normal desk toy instead. Oh, nice! What's the what's the desk toy? This is. Let me just. I don't know if that's coming through. I switched off the noise suppression, but. Oh yes, I'm hearing clicking now for sure. Yeah, I got a uh, Newton's cradle. What what is a Newton's cradle? It's the little thing with like the five balls, and you like you pull one back, and then it swings and it clicks, and the balls go like side to side, and it's to show like momentum being like degraded by being transmitted through the balls. That's interesting. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a a, a common shitty clicky desk toy that I thought would be funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that is funny that you got a new <laughs> thing that clicks. <laughs> How are you, Jacqueline? You know, I'm doing okay. Uh, today has been a day of no work. Just I am, I'm off work, and I am honestly still living off of the high of the Moonshot Murder Mystery stream. Fuck yeah! If you if you're a, an enjoyer of just about anything in the world, if you're an enjoyer of me, if you're an enjoyer of Moonshot, and you didn't watch that stream, I enjoy both of those things. Thank you. Then you have to go watch that stream. It's it's still up on the Twitch as of this recording, and it should probably be up very, very soon on the YouTube channel. Uh, it's a fucking blast. It's so good. It's one of the best things to come out of Moonshot ever, in my opinion. <laughs> Apart from Unwise Girls. Apart from Unwise. Well, we didn't come out of Moonshot. We came into Moonshot. That's true. That... Hmm. What? We came into the moon. Yeah, we came into the moon, yeah. We what? shot into the moon. Yeah, we shot. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't intend that that way at first. People <laughs> listening, but Jane, Jane turned it. Jane turned it into something nasty and dirty. <laughs> this is a good Christian podcast. I, I want to talk about these chapters today. I'm very excited to talk about these. I'm excited too. I we were complaining last time that Piper didn't really have anything to do, and I think her her role in the story is start, starting to be settled into. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Should we? Uh, she has fuck all to do, and she is very worried about that fact. <laughs> oh, we'll get into it. Should I? Should I deliver <laughs> these summaries? Let's go. All right. Chapter twenty-five. Piper. While the Camp Fish Blood side quest is going on, the remaining crew of the Argo 2 rush around putting out fires and repairing damage so the ship doesn't sink. Additionally, they send a message to Chiron, letting him know the Romans are on the way to start a war. Before Piper can go totally crazy with worry, Frank, Hazel, and Leo pop up on the surface, and they come with brownies. They share information while having some brownies and jam, figuring out that Annabeth's various Mark of Athena quest paraphernalia, including the map she got from Fort Sumter, only work when she's alone. The map leads to the Tiber River, and Annabeth and Jason work out what the quest is really for, the Athena Parthenos, a statue of Athena that the Romans apparently stole away. If they find it, the camps could finally be united. Later on, Piper worries about her relationship some more, since Aphrodite didn't seem to have any interest in her love life. Even when Jason tries to assure her, the doubts won't go away. Chapter 26, Piper. The kids wake up to a tourist ship honking at them, They've gotten to the mouth of the Mediterranean. It's a shipping channel, so most people can get through easily. But as this area was once called the Pillars of Hercules, the god-slash-former demigod himself is guarding the way. Jason, a fellow son of Zeus, and Piper, their best diplomat, go as ambassadors and find out that Hercules is less of a vicious hunk of meat and more of a movie star handsome 20-year-old wearing purple robes. He's pretty sympathetic toward them at first, having been on a fair few bullshit quests himself, but his attitude hardens when he hears that the quests are on us for Hera. He complains about his fate as an immortal doorman and gives them an extra hard quest out of spite. They have to take a horn from the river god Achilles. If they fail, Achilles will kill them, and Hercules will sink the Argo too with his bare hands. Chapter 27, Piper. On the way to find Achilles, 
Piper and Jason use a guidebook Hercules gave them as research about the river god. Apparently, Hercules once fought him over a woman named Deanira, then broke off his horn, which became the first cornucopia. Getting his other horn will complete the humiliation. When they reach the river, they're tempted to dive in, but Piper realizes they're being siren-songed, and uses her charm speed to stop the temptation. Achilles rises from the river. He's the blue bull with the face of a man that Piper saw in one of her visions. They start off by having a fairly friendly conversation, even once they tell him about their quest. He's not a big fan of Sons of Zeus, though, so he warns Piper to be cautious about her relationship, mentioning the murder of Hercules' first family, and that after he and Deanira are married, she was tricked into poisoning him with centaur blood, leading to his ultimate demise. All of this makes Piper's relationship jitters even worse. The conversation can't stop feeling forever, though. They have no choice but to fight, and see who comes out as the winner. Chapter 28, Piper. Echelus takes the initiative by pulling Piper into the water, trapping her so that if Jason tries to call down lightning, she'll be electrocuted. This leaves it to Piper to figure out a solution. She plays on Echelus' desires by promising she won't let Hercules have the cornucopia, and then navigates him trying to make her his bride by letting him lift her out of the water, giving her ample opportunity to put a knife to his throat. She cuts off his horn and makes a run for it with Jason, the wind at their back. They still don't really want to hand the horn over, though. After all, as we've learned throughout the series, Hercules is a huge asshole. After getting the permission for the Argo 2 to pass into the Mediterranean, they start roasting him, Piper saying that Jason is a much better man than he is, then <laughs> activating the cornucopia and burying him in fruit and ham. This gives them just enough time to fly back to the ship and fly into the Mediterranean before Hercules can recover. So, Jane, what do you think of these chapters? I think that it is truly incredible that in the year of our law, 2011, uh, Rick Riordan uh, wrote a thorough dissection of like uh, Chad in cell culture and how both mindsets are fucking miserable and poisonous. That is weird, like a weirdly adept reading of this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like an incredibly brain poisoned way of saying it, but yes, you're right. <laughs> God, this will be fucking incomprehensible in like five years. But yeah, these chapters were really good. I enjoyed these. Yeah, yeah, I had a really good time. We were worried before about Piper kind of like not having a lot to do. I think the last mm -hmm. time we we were with her, it was mostly about like it was the Adelon thing, and that wasn't yeah, really. Yeah. That was kind of about her, but largely wasn't. Like that was kind of just filling in. Like what's going on. It was because we needed an external perspective on the uh, uh, Percy and Jason fight. Exactly. And the common thread between these chapters and what it kind of feels like her story throughout the book is going to be is her relationship troubles and her, her like, doubts about it. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, I mean, it makes sense. I, I like that we're acknowledging that her entire relationship with Jason is built on some fucking fake memories that got implanted in her brain. Yeah, because at the end of The Lost Hero, they kind of, like, not, they don't brush it off, but they decide to, like, move past it, and... Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, like, this kind of feels like a mirror to the Frank Hazel thing. Frank Hazel thing didn't, or have not been dating very long, and troubles can arise in a relationship because of that. Yeah. Uh, Similarly, Piper and Jason have not been dating very long. They have not known each other for very long at all. And like like you said, most of their relationship is built on lies and fake memories. And so it makes sense that Piper is just like going to constantly doubt this. Yeah, I was, I was thinking actually, it kind of means that we've ended up with like a full relationship spectrum on the Argo. Uh-huh. Where we have, like, Percy and Annabeth, who are pretty good together. Uh, we have Frank and Hazel, where the vibes are so rancid that Leo is kind of moving in on the periphery. <laughs> uh, and then Jason and Piper, where it's not, like, you know, it's not as awful, but it's not great either. It's kind of shitty. Yeah. Because, man, it's the kind of relationship where she has to think over and over again, is this going to end with him hurting me? Uh-huh. Like, physically killing me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's never a good situation to be in. That, like, that is, to, to use the, the modern parlance, a little bit of a red flag. 
it's a red flag for sure right yeah. <laughs> like jason isn't necessarily being portrayed as he is like a he's toxic he is abusive it's not like that but the situation very much like is evoking those ideas right it's will my partner like will my per- partner one day like go one step too far and hurt me and that is a, like a that's scary that's a genuine scary real thing it's scary, and I love that we're also, we're back in, one of the things that we kind of identified about Jason in Lost Hero was that he's this kind of like, this, almost like a blank slate who was just waiting for someone to feed him instructions to, like, have something to do. And I'm glad that that's, like, we are, we are seeing that as, like, a deliberate character trait that is being explored. Where it's like, the, the things that are wrong with Jason at the minute are not that he's murderous, although, you know, we get some hints that it might end up going that way, but it's just that he is, like kind of inattentive and overly focused on like his quote-unquote work i guess yeah one of the ways that piper puts it is that he is like too much of a leader to break the rules Mm -hmm. and that very much feels along the same lines as like he like you said he's a blank slate he's just sort of very reactive he's very reactive in the way that a leader is like yeah. you are you are assessing threats or assessing tax tasks that have come up that need done and then addressing them and in that sense he is incredibly like it's kind of it's kind of difficult to be around that kind of pure reaction absolutely god we, we can't call him a reactionary though <laughs> We can't. That's the 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 Roman camp is already in such murky waters with that. He's explicitly like um, kind of disavowing the Romans. In fact, <laughs> it's true. And another interesting thing about the Piper Jason relationship here is that it kind of feels like it is an almost like getting as far as it can up to the point of just literally addressing the idea of like, oh. Piper is having to worry that she is less important cosmically than Jason. Oh god, yeah, I hadn't even... But yeah, there's like... There's a fucking... There is a literal pantheon here, and Jason's higher up the hierarchy. There, Yeah, you're right, there's literally a hierarchy here. There is, like, Zeus is the king of the gods, and Jason is his son. Hercules is the most important demigod of myth. Like, he's the most famous and most important one. And that is, like... <laughs> Jason is his brother. Like he, Aphrodite is a important goddess, but that doesn't make Piper being her daughter quite the same level of things. Her planet is smaller. Her planet is smaller is the thing. <laughs> and because of that, like Piper has to worry, like, am I just part of Jason's story is almost how it kind of ends up. Like, am I just his? Ooh. What's up? Sorry, no, I was just, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but as soon as you said it, it kind of clicked into place, especially with everything that we get later on with, like, Hercules' second wife and stuff. Yeah, yeah, with Deanira. She is having to imagine herself in this role of Deanira, and, like, Jason is more powerful than her, he is more, quote-unquote, like, cosmically important or what have you, and that makes him, that kind of makes it so, like, he kind of gets... It's the worry that he will just get to do whatever he wants or that, like, things will happen to him. Like, for instance, the Eidolons possessing him and she can be caught in the crossfire and she doesn't get a choice there. It's, you know what it is? She's she's sat in a room going back and forth between doom scrolling on her prophecy knife and worrying that she's just going to be fridged IRL. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good <laughs> way to put it, actually. <laughs> Piper is at an incredibly precarious position in the narrative, and she understands that. She like she gets that on a deep level. Yeah, her mom is literally out here calling them stories. Of course she's going to be thinking about that. She's out there calling them stories, and she is out there ignoring the story of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Piper's God, fuck ni- Aphrodite. Pi- yeah, fuck Aphrodite for like we were we were on the like, oh, maybe Aphrodite isn't so bad train in Lost Hero. Like we yeah. were we were really growing on her, but honestly, fuck this lady. <laughs> Piper's narrative is literally being diminished in a different way than Hazel, right? Hazel mm-hmm. is being diminished by the story in a way that is I would say not intentional in this exact way. Yeah, Rick just didn't put a perspective in this fucking book. And 
Piper is being diminished through choice. Like, this is an arc. This is a character conflict. That's not the same thing for mm-hmm. Hazel. Yeah. God. P- Piper does do some hard shit in these chapters, though. Yeah? I She she defeats Hercules. She, I imagine she, that's, that's, a, that's on a fairly that's a small list of people. Yeah, no, she defeats Hercules. Like, I mean, not to go back to what I was just saying, but she does take on the Deonera role and defeat Hercules like his second wife did. <laughs> yeah, and I I love how she beats him as well. Uh huh. With the like, she gets the she gets the cornucopia and then just it has it like vomit food on him until he's buried and can't stop them from leaving. And it's like, yeah, this is some like wacky kids book bullshit. Uh, but also, uh, Hercules has spent so much time in these chapters hyping himself up and being like, yeah, I could fucking kill you with a flick of my wrist. I could destroy your boat with my bare hands. Uh, and the fact that Piper beats him in such a fucking humiliating way is very funny. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Getting buried in, like, Thanksgiving food, he looks like a total <laughs> dweeb, right? <laughs> this is the way that you would take out, like, a lightning thief-level chump. Yeah, this is yeah, this is fucking Procrustes from Crusty's Waterbed Palace went out with more dignity than this. He did. He at least Percy got to deliver a fucking pun when he killed him. <laughs> and Hercules doesn't even die. I mean, he's a god, so it'd be kind of difficult to kill him. But he just like he he has to throw he has to resort to throwing coconuts as the ship as it flies away. It's very good. That being said, I know the, the whole conceit of these chapters is like, oh no, Hercules is too strong. Send a couple of people to talk to him and, you know, do a quest for him and stuff. I think the Seven could have taken him. Ah, uh, yeah. What's your argument here? My argument here is that um, last time Percy was on a beach fighting a god, he kicked his ass. Uh-huh. And now he has six friends backing him up. I feel like they could have absolutely curb stomped him. Uh, yeah, this isn't even one of the Twelve Olympians. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess the difficulties are, like, Hercules also could beat gods. Like, he was that strong, too, and he was a demigod. That's and true. Now, and now he's a god. Uh, it's If we're talking about, like, the power of narrative, her, nobody has more narrative power than Hercules. Like I don't know. I feel like he had a lot of narrative power when he was, like, a cool demigod upstart, but now that he's just, like, you know, some fucking doorman sitting on an island in the Mediterranean... That's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> he, he's lost all of that steam. Like, he, Hercules, once he stops being a demigod, once he starts going on quest, once he stops going on quests and becomes an Olympian, he becomes stagnant. He becomes static. He becomes a footnote, right? Yeah, definitely. He becomes a guy whose most interesting fun fact is, like, displayed in big letters in his shitty self-published tourist book. Yeah. Where he's like, did you know that um, the dollar sign is actually the pillars of Hercules with a bit of ribbon between them? I'm important, I swear. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that kind of ties back to, like, as soon as he becomes a god, as soon as he stops doing quests, he becomes less important. Yeah. That ties back to your thesis about this kind of entire series, right? <laughs> yeah, that they're stagnating and slowly fucking dying. Yeah, the gods don't have the power to fuel themselves. They don't have the power to maintain their myths on their own. God, yeah. I, that being said, all of that being said, I desperately need um, some god-exclusive stories. Because Hercules talks about how, like, you know, because uh, Dionysus also used to be a demigod, he's the only other god who kind of gets it. Yeah. And I need to see the drunken pity parties these two are having. Yeah, no, I really want to see it. Do you think, I I wonder if they even are, like, friends. Because Dionysus has never mentioned him. And he feels like the kind to be like, yeah, I drink regularly with Hercules. He would mention that. I think I think Dionysus has ghosted him. I think he's Di- such a downer. Yeah, Dionysus knows that he's better than Hercules, right? <laughs> he is, it's true. Like, he became an Olymp, he became a very important Olympian. When he when he like ascent he kind of has the reverse Hercules thing, where he was an important demigod. Sure, he fought he fought in the wars, but mm-hmm. once he ascended to godhood, that was like a whole new level of things. That's because he managed to fail upwards into a mentor role, and that's always important. This is true. He, <laughs> he knew the people. He he knew all the right people. <laughs> And the right people were those wood nymphs that he fucked, and then his punishment was getting sent to manage Camp Half-Blood. That's true. That's true. <laughs> God. 
the series is good sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, do you want to talk more a bit more about Hercules, like how he's drawn here? I this is exactly what I wanted from when Hercules eventually shows up in this series. Yeah, like I have one, I have a couple of thoughts, not against this, but like I'm curious why they didn't happen like it. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I, the fact that he is like at first he's very friendly, right? He is, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just your bro. I'm just another demigod, <laughs> uh, which very quickly turns into like there is so much resentment and insecurity inside of him uh, that it is like. He will he will do so much for just out of spite. I love like you can you can see those vestiges of like when he was a human, when he was a demigod, when he first talks to them, and then as soon as Hera comes up, he flips on a dime, and you realize, okay, this is why he became a god because he's an arrogant, petty piece of shit like the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of like viewpoint you have to have about yourself to become a god, right? Exactly. I just, I love it when Rick commits to the bit and makes a character in these as much of a huge piece of shit as they are in actual Greek mythology. Yeah, right, because Hercules here, he still killed his entire family. <laughs> and Admittedly, that one probably wasn't his fault. It, yes, that's true. He, he does have good reasons to hate Hera. And that kind of, like, the way that they're like, wait, Her- Her- like Hercules got punished for something Hera did? Like that, you know, we bring it back to like the gods are always fucking with people and getting them punished. This is a Halcyon Green thing. Oh yeah, it's it's exactly that, and I love that Hercules is like, yeah, it sucks that I got punished for something that Hera did. Anyway, uh, Hera sent you on this quest, so I'm gonna punish you for something she did. Yeah, he doesn't. He he has the luxury now to do that punishing, <laughs> and he will do it because it will fuck with Hera. He is yanking the ladder up behind him. Exactly, exactly. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, he is like, he's like a tw- he's like 20 years old, I think they say. He's oh, yeah. wearing the Rowan purple robes, but he doesn't, he's another character who doesn't seem to have much difference between like the Heracles and Hercules versions. Mm-hmm. I, one thing that I actually enjoy about this is that like, the first thing Piper says is about him is that like, he is not like a big brute like he is not the big sort of i i guess like monstrous almost muscle man that you see of hercules in popular culture that triangle shaped motherfucker from the movie yeah he is like just the he's just some guy and what you kind of realize throughout like as as this progresses especially by the end uh when he is literally just shouting angrily the word kill is that he is very much exactly that guy he just doesn't look good <laughs> yeah no he he is this like murderous piece of shit who has just like been driven mad by his horrible life and is willing to make everyone else's problem he's just also very handsome and that apparently gets you pretty far in the greek pantheon yeah yeah, no, it gets you it gets you all the myths and it gets you high in the pantheon. I I love uh, Percy calling him the Starbucks of ancient Greece. That was so fucking funny. <laughs> it That's the one thing. Percy and the Titans curse was kind of all about Hercules. Yeah. Yeah, he had the fucking lion skin that Jason mentions in these chapters and everything. So I I do have a bit in me that's like, why didn't Percy get to be? Why didn't Percy get to meet Hercules? What do you think about that? I don't know. I wonder if it's maybe a case of just like, it would be, it would be more of a missed opportunity to not let Jason interact with him, and then you have to let Piper go because the way it's the way that Rick's rolled it, it's her perspective now, and also Percy's kind of like he's kind of come to terms with the the Hercules thing already. Like at the end of Titans Curse, he's like, no, nah, that guy was an asshole actually. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's like a really good way to put it. His his view on Hercules had an arc, and that arc came to an end. We don't need to rehash it. Yeah, it. I I do agree with you. I think that would have been fun if they got to interact. But it's not. We don't have to have the homestuck thing of like we need to see all of our characters and the entire <laughs> series interact by the end of this. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with. He's the Starbucks of ancient greece and leave it at that yeah exactly maybe some choice comments next chapter too 
Oh, I, I imagine that there's going to be a lot of Donkey on Hercules for at least the next couple of chapters. Now, that's that's the Chad side of things. <laughs> do, do, do we want to talk about the incel? We're crossing to the other side of the meme slash island. Let's, yeah, let's talk about Achilles. Yeah. Achilles? I, they, well, I, they do a thing a lot in these books where somebody says a name and then a character says what they mishear it as. And the, and that kind of provides, that's kind of like a good trick for providing like a pronunciation guide that required and yeah. does where it's like, Oh, this sounds a lot like etch a sketch. So it's like, Oh yeah, it's probably like Achilles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a handy little, just like, like shorthand for that stuff. Yeah. Especially because these books are supposed, they're ostensibly meant to be like semi-educational. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this guy is he is he he mourns his lost woman who got taken by a more handsome man. Uh, she he literally pro- says that like, oh, he was better looking, but I'd have taken care of her properly. <laughs> no, yes, it, it, it's literally the like, why do women always go for the, the guys <laughs> who will treat them like shit instead of me? He he very much has been studying the blade and like <laughs> by. This other, I didn't realize what was happening until it was too late, and I was caught in how both like ridiculous, stupid, and funny this joke was. Uh, when he, they show him the guidebook that Hercules gave them, and God, he's like, yes, <laughs> he starts complaining about how that isn't a real book. Real books are bound in sheepskin and are scrolls. Uh, you should call <laughs> those B books. <laughs> aka bound books and it's so it's, fucking it's funny. so good it, it felt like uh, a personal fuck you to this character that i was uh, reading the ebook for these chapters instead of my paper one yes exactly <laughs> but rick riordan is delivering just like a, a big metal finger to all the assholes who are like ebooks aren't real books like you have to get the the feel and the smell of the of the text like okay you sound like a jerk now, to be clear I'm not against that. I like having a paper book. Same, same. But also e-book, e-books are fine. Whatever. Yeah. I think it just it ties the whole thing together that he has like a weirdly regressive backwards opinion on something other than women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially because he's so... He's kind of like a night... He, he's a nice guy, right? Like... Yeah. They get to talk to him for a little bit and just like have a conversation. And he doesn't immediately try to kill them. That's kind of rare. It's kind of rare. I also... I d- I didn't know if I read it as like, I mean, it's it's the nice guy thing. I also read it as him being like, to to dip back into the well of brain poison terminology, he's black pilled. Like Jason comes over and he's just like, oh shit, you're here to kill me, aren't you? Uh, I guess I'll accept this. Yeah, he almost. <laughs> it seems like he would have accepted it if it had been anything, but like, I'm gonna cut off your horn and bring it to Hercules. Yeah. He just lives in this river on an island with a guy he fucking hates. He has yeah. got a lot to live for. Yeah, I mean, the gods, as we have said a million times, are shitty assholes. And so they have cursed Hercules and Achilles to live together forever. It's like the world's worst roommate situation. And uh, also, as Amos can attest, they are like shitty neighbors. <laughs> yes, that is also true. <laughs> God, I wonder what those kids... We're, we'll find out eventually, I'm sure, but I really we'll, wonder what we'll those kids that. are up to. <laughs> I hate that there's like a part of me that's like, oh, I wish there was a fourth Kane Chronicles book for us to read. <laughs> Listen, Kane Chronicles. Kane Chronicles was an interesting time, it if was. nothing else. Yeah. Oh, there's also a really subtle detail in this a conversation that I like, uh, where um, Achilles is like he's giving his warning to Piper about, oh yeah, sons of Zeus, they're all fuckers. And Piper is like, hmm, I don't want to believe him, but then he did get possessed a few chapters ago and he almost killed Percy. And I like that it's just, it's not even a question that uh, in their weird little pissing contest, she's absolutely on Jason's side. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because I'm pretty sure Percy was going to win. Uh, I think so. <laughs> like, I, but I, I like that she's there for, God, I almost just said I like that she's there for her man, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, now Piper, like, I, I, I have, I guess I haven't said all I wanted to about Piper yet. Piper has, um, 
like everything we said is true about like she's sort of being diminished by the narrative and all that but she sees that and responds to that she is an agent here yeah Uh, like she realizes that's happening defeats Achilles and hercules and like says out loud that this is like a retroactive fuck you from uh the the other lady who got fridged yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool i think yeah I, i like that uh also speaking of nice little character details um i like that when hercules is doing his whole like oh yeah sons of zeus are real pieces of shit uh and piper is like freaking out about jason uh, I just like that that also functions as a very obvious foreshadowing for what a piece of shit Hercules actually is. Yeah, yeah. He's just d- directly calling himself out, <laughs> maybe even like unconsciously voicing all of his insecurities. Yeah, it's true. Like, he. Hercules knows that he is a dick, right? Like, Absolutely. He may be an asshole, but also his entire life as a demigod was defined by him like oh i've done terrible things and i regret it uh so he has that capacity i don't i don't think he like has enough self-awareness to realize that he hates himself but like the the chapters do paint a very clear portrait of him just like stewing in this fucking self-loathing on this island on his own yeah he doesn't know (laughs) you will find yourself on an island with a beautiful boy and he will not tell you he hates himself but he hates himself uh, is this a reference to something? Uh, yeah, it's it's poetry. You wouldn't understand. Ah, uh, I see. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I should. That's a good poem. You should read it sometime. Which poem is it? Oh, it's uh, Richard Silken. I I believe it's from You Are Jeff, uh, which is this really long, like it's 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 a fairly long poem. But the specific line I'm thinking of is from Oh, it's from the last stanza. You're in a car with a beautiful boy, and he won't tell you that he loves you, but he loves you. Uh, and it's just a. It, uh, it's a it's one of those like a million times quoted lines of poetry ah right uh, that's richard silken you are jeff uh but okay if it was published after like the year 1900 then i've never been forced to read it with a gun to my head so i don't know it <laughs> that's, that's fair that's fair i'll send it to you it's, it's good <laughs> i have a question yeah what's that question uh do you think that uh percy can speak to hippopotami or hippopotamuses, whichever it is they're river creatures, not sea creatures. So... They're river creatures, but, but, and uh, their, their, their conversation about Achilles and calling him like a Potamus because he's a river god has got me thinking about this. Because I'm pretty sure that Hippo is horse. Oh. And like uh, Hippopotamuses are uh, like river horses. That's what the, what the literal meaning is. That's hilarious, but go on. And he can talk to zebras. That's true. That's true. I bet he can. So, I bet he can. Are the hippos close enough because they're in the water? I I think so. Like on their own, <laughs> if they didn't live in the water, it wouldn't be enough. But it it definitely works. Yeah, I think so. I we, maybe we'll even get this confirmed. Maybe Percy will meet Tower Rat and demigods and magicians. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I wonder what Percy would think of Tower Rat. <laughs> probably be very confused probably going away from the characters this chapter focuses on for a second uh i want to go back to the first chapter oh yeah we haven't talked much about that yeah and i let we've gotten some more information about the mark of athena quest yeah so here we have kind of an elaboration of basically like what is the mark of athena quest and Ultimately, what is it going for? And we learned that the statue, Annabeth sort of offhandedly mentioned, maybe, I don't remember, it, uh, was is like basically the statue of Athena that was in the Parthenon, that mm-hmm. just like people don't know what the fuck happened to it. What? And not only that, but we also learn that the quest is kind of forcing her to do it alone. Like it's not just the people do yeah. it alone; it will not work unless she is isolated. Uh, this is a solo quest. You may not bring your party with you on this one that's exactly it right <laughs> yeah it's it's a cool little like i don't know i just like it when there's like weird little bullshit magical conditions attached to stuff like oh you can only look at the map when you're alone and stuff like that also like more arachne foreshadowing for a character who we already know is around yes yeah like we <laughs> we know it's arachne like 
they do the whole oh wait it, a web of a, a, like a weaving like what like is it, what could it who could be? it be <laughs> oh we know it's a rock something happened here in the process of creating this book i i i think i can't remember which one of us said it but whoever said that like rick was possibly made to change that and reveal it earlier by like, a publisher or something was probably right is my opinion yeah i i think that sounds right honestly <laughs> Um, yeah, no, like, it works because, yeah, it works because, like, it kind of reinforces Annabeth as main character here. Like, Mm -hmm. Percy and Jason both got to have, like, moments of, like, this is our own individual little quest. And that kind of makes it so, like, Annabeth is being positioned in that same way. Like she, she also has her own important thing that nobody else ha- can deal with, and she's gonna be broody about. Yeah, like they put Jason was the quest leader in Lost Hero. Percy was the quest hero in uh, Son of Neptune, and now, like it's being made very clear that like no, no, this isn't a battle of the, of the labyrinth situation where Percy's gonna hijack it halfway through or whatever. Like An- Annabeth is the main character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, I guess that's kind of something we get the, like, individual thing no one else can deal with from pretty much every character. I mean, Annabeth has had this before, right? Uh, mm-hmm. with, in, like, the Battle of the Labyrinth. But we, we, we've we had it with Frank, Hazel, Leo, and Piper. And, and, and now we're finally getting with Annabeth. I think kind of playing into that also is, like, um, the very funny scene where... Um... Leo is talking about like the the undersea ocean camp they went to, and Percy can't get past the fact that they didn't want to speak to him. Uh huh. He's like, but, but they didn't want to talk to me. But I'm the ocean guy. That's my thing. <laughs> I'm the ocean man. Yeah, like it works as a good bit, just because like yeah, Percy. That it's funny that Percy is like sad about that, um, but it also works to say like, hey, Percy isn't like the center of the universe yeah definitely and i also just i I also just like the character detail that like for as much as percy is generally like you know he shits on authority quite a lot and it's very funny when he does that uh he has also gotten into his head that he is the ocean man the sea if sea stuff happens he should be involved because he is the son of the sea god god damn it (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah it's it's funny and a good character detail and also is like taken one step too far that would put him he would that would make him a hercules god yeah and you i didn't even consider that bit but you're right <laughs> i guess wait would he end up as a theseus i guess a theseus yeah be that fucking shitbag hanging around in elysium <laughs> uh God, I'm excited for this this to turn back into like half Percy Jackson talk, half Hades talk when Hades two comes out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> God, that game is. Ugh, I'm excited. <laughs> Rick Riordan. I have to say, I don't. I don't think Rick Riordan understands gender. <laughs> okay, interesting. There's a part... big swing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm getting the big guns out. Rick Riordan <laughs> has bad views on gender, and I'm saying this because there's a bit where like Jason and Frank, I think, are eating brownies and are like, "Ooh, it goes really good with the jam," and like all of the girls like roll their eyes and are like, "Ugh, boys, this is not how girls work." <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I. Girls love weird, fucked up food combinations. Annabeth has been eating fucking dyed blue food because she misses Percy so much. She would be all over this shit. <laughs> That's true. Like, <laughs> I, like I guess there's. I mean, is it? I just don't understand this. This is like a weird moment. It just stands out for me because like the uh boys is so like cliche. Um, and it's not something that Rick Riordan usually pulls on. Like, it's come up once or twice, but... Yeah. I, I feel I feel like it should have come back around, and it should have turned out to be, like, horrible foreshadowing. Like, as they're flying away from Hercules' island, they see him, like, dipping some of the food from the corner, like a fucking Thanksgiving turkey in a coconut or something. <laughs> and Piper's like, oh my god, this genetic. Oh god, it's in the chromosomes. <laughs> Horrible. But the problem is, at the end of the day, brownies and jam does sound like it would rock. 
I don't know, peach preserves specifically. I don't know if that would go with the brownies. For like the sea salt brownie accentuating, but I, I don't know. It could be really good. I'd, le- I'd try it. I don't know if it'd be good, but I would give it a go. Yeah, I'll, I'll try it too. Well, live on the podcast, we will <laughs> we will make sea salt brownies and peach preserves and we will try it for you all. So there we go. We fucking disproven everything that uh, Rick Ryden has said out about uh, brownies and the gender binary. That's right. That's right. <laughs> also, uh, Hercules fans, there is a mention of something that does come up in Hercules in this in this chapter. Uh, oh. spe- I mean, not other than just like the guy himself. Uh, there's a mention of Nessus, uh, a centaur who like tricked Deanira into using his blood to poison Hercules. That's the that's the that's the sexually menacing centaur man from a Hercules cartoon movie. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that at all. That, that's like the, I feel like I would remember a sexually menacing centaur. Yeah, the, the, from the first time that he like he saved Meg. Oh yeah. God. Hey, did the Stoll brothers try to put um, centaur blood on someone's shirt or something? Yes, they did. They always kill that person. <laughs> the Stoll brothers are evil. Like I, I don't want to be like write it off as like children of Hermes are evil. <laughs> like this isn't like a Slytherin situation or whatever, but I think it might be the evil, evil cavern. I it's fine when they steal stuff, but they when they're killing people, it uh, yeah, just stick to thieving. I I'm really excited for like more Jason and Thalia content off the back of this. Yeah, just because like one of the things that um, Hercules brings up is like, oh you know it it drives you nuts, haha, having uh, Zeus as a father because he has all these crushing, overwhelming expectations that you can never meet. And I feel like, I feel like the opportunity is right here for Jason to have a whole arc about that, uh, and for that to culminate in Thalia uh, helping him to embrace kind of what she ended up doing, which was telling Zeus to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Thalia had Thalia's story was about like was about rejecting that and like a healthy form of rejection, which mm-hmm. was like she found her own way, and. The thing that he keeps doing throughout these chapters is whenever someone says, like, sons of Zeus are dangerous, he says, like, oh, yeah, but I'm a son of Jupiter. As if that, like, changes anything. (laughs) This boy is coping. (laughs) I... God, he really is. I mean, because, like, Hercules is a son of Jupiter. Heracles is the the Zeus one. Yeah, yeah. You can't know true Scotsman this, Jason. Yeah, that's it's. I will a crowning moment for Jason though. Uh, I think is when Hercules is like, "You realize I could kill you all with a flick of my finger. I could throw my club at your ship and cut straight through its hull. I could. You could shut up." Jason said, "That's <laughs> fucking a- excellent." Get his ass. But yeah, Jason needs to like develop that sort of like either healthy rejection or just like lean into it and become child of Jupiter, fucking Wunderkind. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'd i be fine with either. He has this heartwarming character arc with Thalia, which is about reconnecting with his lost sister, and like they both kind of reject Zeus's stuff. Uh, or I would also be okay with Jason becoming kind of evil mode, because he is so bent on satisfying Zeus's expectations. He's also just proving to be like kind of a dumb boy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wonder if this is why characters keep bringing up that he's blonde. <laughs> I think it may be like Annabeth Rick Ryden loves dumb blonde jokes for some reason. He really does. Annabeth, like, you know, would kill you in an instant, but Jason, like, just is kind of a dumb blonde. <laughs> well, like, he mentions Hera in front of Hercules, who, like, may be one of the most famous myths of all time that you should definitely know if you are like literally directly related to this. Does not like Hera. My brother in Christ, you were at the Greek camp for like seven months. Surely you heard the name Heracles and wondered what the deal was with that. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> I sus- Yeah, I suspect when he was at Camp Jupiter, Rainer was the brains of the operation. I think so. <laughs> he's just like, he's got the smile, you know? <laughs> he's got like the intimidating looking scar that you probably got while like climbing a fence or something. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we haven't really talked about um the thing Hercules says to them before he gives them the extra hard quest, uh, mm-hmm. which which is that he says like 
I have to give you the standard warning about how dangerous the ancient lands are. Not just any demigod can survive the Merry Nostrum. Uh, but because of that, I have to give you a quest to complete before you can go through and prove your worth. I don't make a big deal of it. Usually I give demigods something simple, like a shopping trip, singing a funny song, that sort of thing. And... <laughs> I... This is... This is kind of amazing. We were this close to having just, like, four chapters where the characters are basically forced to do a filler episode. Wouldn't that be kind just, of so like, good? just, do relationship drama in a Spanish mall or something. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Or, like, a, a like, Greek's next top singer. <laughs> uh, just Jason having to do a shitty little jig on the beach. It's it's a it's good to me. It's good to me imagining that. Oh fuck no! I know what we've missed out on. Mm-hmm. If they had to do the shopping trip, they would have had to go to Gibraltar. Oh my god! That's probably the closest bit. And Gibraltar is like, I I can't say personally I've been, but I have to imagine it's one of the worst places on the planet. Oh god! Because it is like one of the last remaining. It's kind of semi an English colony. Uh, so this is where all the like um, boomer expats move when they've retired. Oh lord! Like they all move to Gibraltar. That's like a high density zone for them. Oh lord! And I just think it'd be very funny watching the characters have to deal with that for four chapters. Just like nothing but old people yelling. Not, <laughs> it doesn't even get to be like a mortal. Old, I mean, there probably will be an immortal old person somewhere, but mostly it's just normal old people. Oh god, it would it would be nightmarish. It'd be like it's an entire city of smelly gabes. God. <laughs> when the ship honks at them, I don't have a lot more to say, but I do what I talk about. Uh one oh, yeah. of the one of the funnier scenes in this. Uh when they all wake up to the ship honking at them, they all come out in their like funny disheveled outfits. Uh <laughs> Like Hazel's nor Hazel's pretty normal. Her hair was all blown to one side. It happens. Uh, yeah. Leo had set himself on fire. Like I guess I guess I get that he does that. Uh, Percy wore pajama pants and a bronze breastplate. Why Why is he doing that? I assume he was like like stumbling out of his room and like grabbing armor and just like pulling his arms through it as he was coming up the stairs. Yeah, but. There's, I don't know. Fuzzy blue pajamas is not necessarily what I would wear into a... I understand. I, you know, it's a hasty that's outfit. Not, that's not what I would wear if I was going to the fucking Mediterranean. No. No. Uh, I guess I guess he's like a New York boy. He doesn't really know how to deal with that. That's true. And the, we're far from New York now. We're, we're, we're heading into it for the next few chapters. God, we're up. How far through this book are we? We're only like halfway. Yeah, yeah. And according to Piper, the quest is going to get ten times more dangerous, which I assume means the book is going to get ten times more exciting. <laughs> you know, I or ten times more boring, but hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, I think that'll do it for us today. Yeah. Our intro and outro music is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We are part of the Moonshot Network of Podcasts. You can find them on Twitter at Moonshot Pods, uh, on and on Twitch, where recently did a very good stream, a very good murder mystery stream, on uh, Moonshot Podcasts, I believe. Is that Moonshot Network? Fuck. Moonshot Network, I think. We really got to write these things down. You know, it's we. It took a little bit for us to get the entire other parts of the intro of the outro. <laughs> Eventually, we got it fully memorized, though. I'll do it one day. I don't know. You still say that our email is on our Twitter. I. That has not been true for over a year. Is, is that right? Yeah. Also, oh. I told you like twice. Oh. Okay. Well, don't email us then. I guess. It's not in our pen to post? Uh, we don't have a pen post. I should probably Fuck. do that. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, you can find us Unwise on Twitter. at gmail.com. You can yes, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Unwise Girls, where we've got links to our Discord server, uh, all our own personal social medias. We don't have our email on there right now, but maybe soon. And then you can send us <laughs> questions, Q and A questions. Uh, which Shane, did you check to see if we had any for this week? Uh, no, we just have one of those fucking Patreon emails, which is like we'd appreciate your input. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> 
If people have Q&A questions, they can just fucking DM us on Discord. There's a link to the Discord server. DM us on Discord. Don't don't email. You know what? Fuck it. Don't email us. <laughs> and if you want to support us, you can go and leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can tell your friends about us or to support us for a little, little, little bit of money. You can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls, <laughs> where uh, for a dollar a month, you get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you get the Discord role of, of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Yep. Uh, last episode, uh, you can listen to the thrilling quest of me trying to find a piece of gunpla that I lost under my desk while we discuss, like, one of our, like, we're down like, the last three Homestuck episodes, I think. Yeah, I think so. We we might have one left. I don't know. Maybe two. Oh my god. I'm kind of like, should we do it all at once so we beat Homestuck Made This World to the end? <laughs> that would be kind of funny. And for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank uh, Danny, Tanner, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye. ghosts what about monsters or haunted houses evil furniture stores cannibalism doppelgangers childhood mysteries that involve a strange cult or a scary clown if you answered yes to any of the above you may be eligible to become a patron at the dead letter society's library of terrors dead letter society is a book club podcast about horror mysteries thrillers and all genre of things that go bump in the night Every episode, me, Marn, and my wife Alyssa pick a book from our Library of Terrors to read, then come together to discuss it live on air. Which characters did we get too attached to? What plot twist shocked us? Which scares fell flat and which had us jumping out of our seats in anxiety? Which character deaths made us lie down on the floor in anguish? You'll just have to join us here in the Library of Terrors to find out. Dead Letter Society is a proud part of the Moonshot Network. You can find us on Twitter at Dead Letter Pod, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon at the next meeting of the Society.